Chapter 2 Sexual Reproduction in Flowering Plants Are we not lucky that plants reproduce sexually The myriads of flowers that we enjoy gazing at the scents and the perfumes that we swoon over the rich colors that attract us are all there as an aid to sexual reproduction flowers do not exist only for us to be used for our own selfishness all flowering plants show sexual reproduction a look at the diversity of structures of the inflorescences flowers and floral parts shows an amazing range of adaptations to ensure formation of the end products of sexual reproduction the fruits and the seeds in this chapter let us understand the morphology structure and the processes of sexual reproduction in flowering plants or angiosperms flower a fascinating organ of angiosperms human beings have had an intimate relationship with flowers since the time immemorial flowers are the objects of aesthetic ornamental social religious and cultural value they have always been used as symbols for conveying important human feelings such as love affection happiness grief mourning etc list at least 5 flowers of ornamental value that are commonly cultivated at homes and in gardens find out the names of 5 more flowers that are used in social and cultural celebrations in your family have you heard of floriculture what does it refer to to a biologist flowers are morphological and embryological marvels and the sites of sexual reproduction in class 11th you have read the various parts of flowers figure 2.1 will help you recall the parts of a typical flower can you name two parts in a flower in which two most important units of sexual reproduction develop fertilization structures and events much before the actual flower is seen on a plant the decision that the plant is going to flower has taken place several hormonal and structural changes are initiated which lead to the differentiation and further development of the floral primordium inflorescences are formed which bear the floral buds and then the flowers in the flower the male and female reproductive structures the androecium and the gynoecium differentiate and develop you would recollect that the androecium consists of a whorl of stamens 
representing the male reproductive organ and the gynoecium represents the female reproductive organ stamen microsporangium and pollen grains figure 2.2 a shows the two parts of a typical stamen the long and slender stalk called the filament and the terminal generally bilobed structure called the anther the proximal end of the filament is attached to the thalamus or the petal of the flower the number and length of stamens are variable in flowers of different species if you were to collect a stamen each from 10 flowers each from different species and arrange them on a slide you would be able to appreciate the very large variation in size seen in nature careful observation of each stamen under a dissecting microscope and making neat diagrams would elucidate the range in shape and attachment of anthers in different flowers a typical angiosperm anther is bilobed with each lobe having two theca that is that diathecus often a longitudinal groove runs lengthwise separating the theca let us understand the various types of tissues and their organization in the transverse section of an anther the bilobed mature the bilobed nature of an anther is very distinct in the transverse section of the anther the anther is a four-sided tetragonal structure consisting of four microsporangia located at the corners two in each lobe the microsporangia develop further and become pollen sacs they extend longitudinally all through the length of an anther and are packed with pollen grains structure of microsporangium in a transverse section a typical microsporangium appears near circular in outline it is generally surrounded by four wall layers figure 2.3b the epidermis the endothecum middle layers and the tapetum the outer three wall layers perform the function of protection and help in dehiscence of anther to release the pollen the innermost wall layer is tapetum it nourishes the developing pollen grains cells of tapetum possess dense cytoplasm and generally have more than one nucleus can you think of how tapetal cells could become binucleate 
when anther is young a group of compactly arranged homogeneous cells called the sporogenous tissue occupies the center of each microsporangium microsporogenesis as the anther develops the cells of the microsporogenesis tissue undergo meiotic divisions to form microspore tetrads what would be the ploidy of the cells of the tetrad as each cell of the microsporogenesis of the sporogenesis tissue is capable of giving rise to a microspore tetrad each one is a potential pollen or microspore mother cell the process of formation of microspores from a pollen mother cell through meiosis is called microsporogenesis the microspores as they are formed are arranged in a cluster of four cells the microspore tetrad as the anthers mature and dehydrate the microspores dissociate from each other and develop into pollen grains inside each microsporangium several thousands of microspores or pollen grains are formed that are released with the dehiscence of anther pollen grain the pollen grains represent the male gametophytes if you touch the opened anthers of hibiscus or any other flower you would find deposition of yellowish powdery pollen grains on your fingers sprinkle these grains on a drop of water taken on a glass slide and observe under a microscope you will really be amazed at the variety of architecture sizes shapes colors designs seen on the pollen grains from different species in figure 2.4 pollen grains are generally spherical measuring about 25 to 50 micrometers in diameter it is a prominent two-layered wall the hard the hard outer layer the hard outer layer called the exine is made up of sporopollenin which is one of the most resistant organic material known it can withstand high temperatures and strong acids and alkali no enzyme that degrades sporopollenin is so far discovered pollen grain exine is prominent aperture has pollen grain exine has a prominent aperture called germ pore where sporopollenin is absent pollen grains are well preserved as fossils because of the presence of sporopollenin the exine exhibits a fascinating array of patterns and designs what do you think the exine should be hard what is the function of germ pore the inner wall of the pollen grain 
is called the intine it is a thin and continuous layer made up of cellulose and pectin the cytoplasm of pollen grain is surrounded by a plasma membrane when the pollen grain is mature it contains two cells the vegetative cell and generative cell as shown in figure 2.5 b the vegetative cell is bigger has abundant food reserve and a large irregularly shaped nucleus the generative cell is small and floats in the cytoplasm of the gen- of the vegetative cell it is spindle shaped with dense cytoplasm and a nucleus in over 60% of angiosperms pollen grains are shed at this two cell stage in the remaining species the generative cell divides mitotically to give rise to two male gametes before pollen grains are shed three cell stage pollen grains of many species cause several allergies and bronchial afflictions in some people often leading to chronic respiratory disorders like asthma bronchitis etc it may be mentioned that parthenium or carrot grass that came to india as a contaminant with imported wheat has become ubiquitous in occurrence and causes pollen allergy pollen grains are rich in nutrients it has become a fashion in recent years to use pollen tablets as food supplements in western countries a large number of pollen products in the form of tablets syrups are available in the market pollen consumption has been claimed to increase the performance of athletes and race horses once they are shed pollen grains have to land on the stigma before they lose viability if they have to bring about fertilization how long do you think the pollen grains retain viability the period for which pollen grains remain viable is highly variable and to some extent depo- depends on the prevailing temperature and humidity in some cereals such as rice and wheat pollen grains lose viability within 30 minutes of their release and in some members of rosaceae leguminosae and solaceae they maintain viability for months you may have heard of storing semen sperms of many animals including humans for artificial insemination it is possible to store pollen grains of a large number of species for years in liquid nitrogen at a temperature of minus 196 degrees celsius 
such stored pollen can be used as pollen banks similar to seed banks in crop breeding programs the pistil megasporangium ovule and embryo sac the gynoecium represents the female reproductive part of the flower the gynoecium may consist of a single pistil monocarpellary or may have more than one pistil multicarpellary when there are more than one pistil they may be fused together syncarpus or may be free apocarpus each pistil has three parts the stigma style and ovary the stigma serves as a landing platform for pollen grains the style is the elongated cylinder part beneath the stigma the basal bulged part of the pistil is the ovary inside the ovary is the ovarian cavity or locule the placenta is located inside the ovarian cavity recall the definition and types of placentation placentation that you studied in class 11th arising from the placenta are the megasporangia commonly called ovules the number of ovules in an ovary may be one in wheat paddy mango too many in papaya watermelon or orchids the megasporangium or ovule let us familiarize ourselves with the structures of a typical angiosperm ovule the ovule is a small structure attached to the placenta by means of a stalk called funicle the body of the ovule is fused with the funicle in the region called hilum thus hilum represents the junction between the ovule and funicle each ovule has one or two protective envelopes called integuments integuments encircle the nucellus except the tip where a small opening called the micropyle is organized the opposite micropylar end is the chalaza representing the basal part of the ovule enclosed within the integuments is a mass of cells called the nucellus cells of the nucellus have abundant reserve food materials located 
in the new cells is the embryo sac or female gametophyte an ovule generally has a single embryo sac formed from a megaspore megasporogenesis the process of formation of megaspores from megaspore mother cell is called megasporogenesis ovules generally differentiate a single megaspore mother cell mmc in the micropylar region of the new cells it is a large cell containing dense cytoplasm and a prominent nucleus the mmc undergoes meiotic division what is the importance of the mmc undergoing meiosis meiosis results in the production of four megaspores female gametophyte in a majority of flowering plants one of the megaspores is functional while the other three degenerate only the functional megaspore develops into the female gametophyte or the embryo sac this method of embryo sac formation from single megaspore is termed as monosporic development what will be the ploidy of the cells of the new cells mmc the functional megaspore and the female gametophyte now let us study formation of the embryo sac in a little more detail the nucleus of the functional megaspore divides mitotically to form two nuclei which move to the opposite poles forming the two nucleate embryo sac two more sequential mitotic nuclear divisions result in the formation of the four nucleate and later the eight nucleate stages of the embryo sac it is of interest to note that these mitotic divisions are strictly free nuclear that is nuclear divisions are not followed immediately by cell wall formation after the eight nucleate stage cell walls are laid down leading to the organization of the typical female gametophyte or embryo sac observe the distribution of cells inside embryo sac six of the eight nuclei are surrounded by cell walls and organized into cells the remaining two nuclei called polar nuclei are situated below the egg apparatus in the large central cell there is a characteristic distribution of the cells within the embryo sac three cells are grouped together at the micropylar end and constitute the egg apparatus the egg apparatus 
in turn consists of two synergids and one XL. The synergids has special cellular thickenings at the micropylar tip called fully formed apparatus which play an important role in guiding the pollen tubes into the synergid. Three cells are, are at the chalazal end and are called the antipodals. The large central cell as mentioned earlier has two polar nuclei. Thus, a typical angiosperm embryo sac at maturity though eight nucleate is seven celled. Pollination In the preceding sections you have learned that the male and female gametes in flowering plants are produced in the pollen grain and embryo sac respectively. As both types of gametes are non-motile, they have to be brought together for fertilization to occur. How is this achieved? Pollination is the mechanism to achieve this objective. Transfer of pollen grains shed from the anther to the stigma of a pistil is termed pollination. Flowering plants have evolved an amazing array of adaptations to achieve pollination. They make use of external agents to achieve pollination. Can you list the possible external agents? Kinds of pollination Depending on the source of pollen, pollination can be divided into three types. Pollination can be divided into three types. Autogamy In this type, pollination is achieved within the same flower. Transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of the same flower. In a normal flower which opens and exposes the anther and stigma, completely autogamy is rather rare. Autogamy in such flowers requires synchrony in pollen release and stigma receptivity and also the anthers and the stigma should lie close to each other so that self-pollination can occur. In some plants such as Biola commonly known as Pansy or Common Pansy, Oxalis produce two types of flowers, Chasmogamous flowers which are similar to flowers of other species with exposed anther and stigma and Clistogamous flowers which do not open at all. In such flowers, the anthers and stigma lie close to each other. When anthers dihenses in the flower buds, pollen grains 
come in contact with the stigma to effect pollination thus cleistogamous flowers are invariably autogamous as there is no chance of cross pollen landing on the stigma cleistogamous flowers produce assured seed set even in the absence of pollinators do you think that cleistogamy is advantageous or disadvantageous to the plant and why gitonogamy transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of another flower of the same plant although gitonogamy is functionally cross pollination involving a pollen agent genetically it is similar to autogamy since pollen grain comes from the same plant xenogamy transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of a different plant this is the only type of pollination which during pollination brings genetically different types of pollen grains to the stigma agents of pollination plants use two abiotic and one biotic agents to achieve pollination majority of plants use biotic agents for pollination only a small proportion of plants use abiotic agents wind and water pollen grains coming in contact with the stigma is a chance factor in both wind and water pollination to compensate for this uncertainties and associated loss of pollen grains the flowers produce enormous amount of pollen when compared to the number of ovules available for pollination pollination by wind is more common amongst abiotic pollinations wind pollination also requires that the pollen grains are light non-sticky so that they can be transported in the wind currents they often possess well exposed stamen so that pollens are easily dispersed into wind currents and large often feathery stigma to easily trap airborne pollen wind pollinated flowers often have a single ovule in each ovary and numerous flowers packed into an inflorescence a familiar example is the corn cob the tassels you see are nothing but the stigma and style which wave in wind to trap pollen grains wind pollination is quite common in grasses pollination by water is quite rare in flowering plants and is limited to about 30 genera mostly monocots as against this you would recall 
that water is a regular mode of transport for male gametes among the lower plant groups such as algae, bryophytes and pteridophytes. It is believed particularly for some bryophytes and pteridophytes that their distribution is limited because of the need for water to transport of male gametes and fertilization. Some examples of water-pollinated plants are Valisneria and Hydrilla, which grow in fresh water and several marine seagrasses such as Zoostera. Not all aquatic plants use water for pollination. In a majority of aquatic plants such as water hyacinth and water lily, the flowers emerge above the level of water and are pollinated by insects or wind as in most of the land plants. In Valisneria, the female flower reaches the surface of water by long stalk and the male flowers or the pollen grains are released onto the surface of water. They are carried passively by water currents. Some of them eventually reach the female flowers and the stigma. In another group of water pollinated plants such as sea grasses, female flowers remain submerged in the water and the pollen grains are released inside the water. Pollen grains in many such species are long ribbon like and they are carried passively inside the water. Some of them reach the stigma and achieve pollination. In most of the water pollinated species, pollen grains are protected from wetting by mucilaginous covering. Both wind and water pollinated flowers are not very colorful and do not produce nectar. What would be the reason for this? Majority of flowering plants use a range of animals as pollinating agents. Bees, butterflies, flies, beetles, wasps, ants, moths, birds, including sunbirds and hummingbirds, and bats are the common pollinating agents. Among the animals, insects, Particularly, bees are the dominant biotic pollinating agent. Even larger animals such as some primates, abrial rodents, or even reptiles like gecko lizard and garden lizard have also been reported as pollinators in some species. Often flowers of animal pollinated plants are specifically adapted for a particular species of animals. Majority of insect pollinated flowers are large, colorful, fragrant and rich in nectar. When the flowers are small, a number of flowers are clustered into an inflorescence to make them 
animals are attracted to flowers by color and or or fragrance the flowers pollinated by flies and beetles secrete foul odors to attract these animals to sustain animal visits the flowers have to provide rewards to the animals nectar and pollen grains are usually floral rewards for harvesting the rewards from the flower the animal visitor comes in contact with the anthers and the stigma the body of the animal gets a coating of pollen grain which are generally sticky in animal pollinated flowers when the animal carrying pollen grain on its body come in contact with the stigma it brings about the pollination in some species floral rewards are in providing safe places to lay eggs an example of is the tallest flower of amorphophyllus the flower itself is about 6 feet in height a similar relationship exists between a species of moth and the plant yucca where both species the moth and the plant cannot complete their life cycles without each other the moth deposits its eggs in the locule of the ovary and the flower in turn gets pollinated by the moth the larva of the moth comes out of the eggs as the seeds start developing why don't you observe some flowers of the following plants or any other available to you cucumber mango people coriander papaya onion lobia cotton tobacco rose lemon banana try to find out which animals visit them and whether they could be pollinators you will have to patiently observe the flowers over a few days and at different times of the day you could also try to see whether there is any correlation in the characteristics of a flower to the animal that visits it carefully observe if any of the visitors comes in contact with the anther and the stigma as only such visitor can bring about pollination many insects may consume pollen or the nectar without bringing about pollination such floral visitors are referred to as pollen or nectar robbers you may or may not be able to identify the pollinators but you will surely enjoy your efforts outbreeding devices majority of flowering plants produce hermaphrodite flowers and pollen grains are likely to come in contact with the stigma of the same flower continued self pollination result in inbreeding depression 
flowering plants have developed many devices to discourage self-pollination and to encourage cross-pollination. In some species, pollen release and stigma receptivity are not synchronized. Either the stig- either the pollen is released before the stigma becomes receptive or stigma becomes receptive much before the release of the pollen. In some other species, the anther and the stigma are placed at different positions so that the pollen cannot come in contact with the stigma of the same flower. Both these devices prevent autogamy. The third device to prevent inbreeding is self-incompatibility. This is the genetic mechanism and prevents self-pollen from the same flower or other flowers from the same plant from fertilizing the ovules by inhibiting pollen germination or pollen tube growth in the pistil. Another device to prevent self-pollination is the production of unisexual flowers. If both male and female flowers are present on the same plant, such as castor and maize, it prevents autogamy, not zitonogamy. In several other species, such as papaya, male and female flowers are present on different plants. That is, each plant is either male or female. This condition prevents both autogamy and zitonogamy. Pollen Pistil Interaction Pollen Pollination does not guarantee the transfer of the right type of pollen that is compatible pollen of the same species as of the stigma. Often, pollen of the wrong type either from other species or from the same plant if it is self-incompatible also land on the stigma. The pistil has the ability to recognize the pollen whether it is of the right type that is compatible or of the wrong type that is incompatible. If it is of the right type, the pistil accepts the pollen and promotes post-pollination events that leads to fertilization. If the pollen is of wrong type, the pistil rejects the pollen by preventing pollen germination on the stigma or the pollen tube growth in the style. The ability of the pistil to recognize the pollen followed by its acceptance or rejection is the result of a continuous dialogue between pollen grain and the pistil. This dialogue is mediated by, chemi- by the chemical components of the pollen in interacting with, the, with those of the pistil. It is only in the recent years that botanists have been able to identify some of the pollen and pistil components and the interactions leading to recognition followed by acceptance or rejection. As mentioned earlier, following compatible pollination, the pollen grain germinates on the stigma to produce a pollen tube through one of the germ pores. The contents of the pollen grain move 
into the pollen tube. Pollen tube goes through the tissues of the stigma and style and reaches the ovary. You would recall that in some plants, pollen grains are shed at two cell conditions, a vegetative cell and a generative cell. In such plants, the generative cell divides and forms two male gametes during the growth of the pollen tube and stigma. In plants which shed pollen in three cell condition, pollen tube carries the two male gametes from the beginning. Pollen tube, after reaching the ovary, enters the ovule through the micropyle and enters one of the synergies through the follicular apparatus. Many recent studies have shown that the follicular apparatus present at the micropylar end of the synergies guide the entry of the pollen tube. All these events from pollen deposition on the stigma until pollen tube enter the ovule are together referred to as pollen pistol interaction. As pointed out earlier, pollen pistol interaction is a dynamic process involving pollen recognition followed by promotion or inhibition of the pollen. The knowledge gained in this area would help the plant breeder in manipulating pollen pistol interaction even in incompatible pollination to get the desired hybrids. You can easily study pollen germination by testing some pollen from flowers such as peas, chickpeas, balsam, and linka or vinsa on a glass slide containing a drop of sugar solution, a drop of sugar solution about 10%. After about 30 to 15 minutes, observe the slide under the low power lens of the microscope. You are likely to see pollen tubes coming out of the pollen grain. As you as you can learn in the chapter on plant breeding, that is chapter 9, a breeder is interested in crossing different species and often genera to combine desirable characters to produce commercially superior varieties. Artificial Hybridization Artificial hybridization is one of the major approaches of crop improvement program. In such crossing experiments, it is important to make sure that only the desired pollen grains are used for pollination and the stigma is protecting, protected from contamination from unwanted pollen. This is achieved by emasculation and bagging technique. If the female parent bears bisexual flowers, removal of anther from the flower bud before the anther dies using a pair of forceps is necessary. This step is referred to as emasculation. Emasculated flowers have to be covered with a bag of suitable size, generally made up of butter paper to prevent contamination of stigma with unwanted pollen. This process is called bagging. When the stigma of bag flower attains receptivity, mature pollen grains are collected from the anther of the male parent, are dusted on the stigma, and the flowers are rebagged and the fruits are allowed to develop. 
If the female parent produces unisexual flowers, there is no need for emasculation. The female buds are back before the flowers are open. When the stigma becomes receptive, pollination is carried out by using the desired pollen and the flower is repacked. Double fertilization. After entering one of the synergies, the pollen tube releases two male gametes into the cytoplasm of the synergist. One of the male gametes moves towards the egg cell and fuses with its nucleus, thus completing syngamy. This results in the formation of a diploid cell, the zygote. The other male gamete moves towards the polar nuclei located in the central cell and fuses with them to produce a triploid primary endosperm nucleus or PEN. As this involves the fusion of three haploid nuclei, it is termed as triple fusion. Since two types of fusions, syngamy and triple fusion, take place in an embryo sac, the phenomenon is termed as double fertilization, an event unique to flowering plants. The central cell after triple fusion becomes the primary endosperm cell or PEC and develops into the endosperm while the zygote develops into an embryo. Post-fertilization structures and events Following double fertilization, events of endosperm and embryo development, maturation of ovules into seeds and ovary into fruit are collectively termed post-fertilization events. Endosperm Endosperm development precedes embryo development. Why? The primary endosperm cell divides repeatedly and forms it a triploid endosperm tissue. The cells of this tissue are filled with reserve food materials and are used for the nutrition of the developing embryo. In the most common type of endosperm development, the PEN undergoes successive nuclear divisions to give rise to to free nuclei. This stage of endosperm development is called pre-nuclear endosperm. Subsequently, cell wall formation occurs and the endosperm becomes cellular. The number of free nuclei found before cellularization varies greatly. The coconut water from tender coconut that you are familiar with is nothing but free nuclear endosperm made up of thousands of nuclei and the surrounding white kernel is the cellular endosperm. Endosperm may either be completely consumed by the developing embryo, for example, peas, groundnut, beans, before seed maturation or it may persist in the mature seed, for example, 
castor and coconut and be used during seed germination split open some seeds of castor castor peas beans groundnut fruit of coconut and look for the endosperm in each case find out whether the endosperm is persistent in cereals like wheat rice and maize embryo embryo develops at the micropylar end of the embryo sac where the zygote is situated most zygotes divide only after certain amount of endosperm is formed this is an adaptation to provide assured nutrition for the developing embryo though the seeds differ greatly the early stages of embryo development or embryo geni are similar in both monocots and dicots figure 2.13 depicts the stages of embryo geni in a dicotyledonous embryo the zygote gives rise to proembryo and subsequently globular heart shaped and mature embryo a typical dicot embryo consists of a of an embryonal axis and two cotyledons the portion of which the portion of embryonal axis above the level of cotyledons is epicotyle which terminates with the plumule or stem tip the cylindrical portion below the level of cotyledons is hypocotyle that terminates at the lower end in the radical or the root tip the root tip is covered with the root cap embryos of monocots possess only one cotyledon in the grass family the cotyledon is called scutellum that is situated towards one side or lateral of the embryonal axis at its lower end embryonal axis has the radical and root cap enclosed in an undifferentiated sheath called coleuriza the portion of the embryonal axis above the level of the attachment of scutellum is the epicotyle epicotyle has a shoot apex and few leaves primordia enclosed in a hollow foliar structure called coleoptile seed in angiosperms the seed is the final product of sexual reproduction it is often described as fertilized ovule seeds are formed inside fruits a seed typically consists of a seed coat cotyledons and an embryo axis the cotyledons of embryo are simple structures generally thick and swollen due to storage of food reserves as in legumes mature seeds may be non albuminous or ex albuminous non albuminous seeds have no residual endosperm as it is completely consumed during embryo development for example pea and groundnut albuminous seeds retain a part of endosperm as it is not completely used during embryo development
for example wheat maize barley and castor occasionally in some seeds such as black pepper and beet remnants of mucilus are also persistent this residual persistent mucilus is the perisperm integuments of ovules harden as tough protective seed coats the micropyle remains as a small pore in the seed coat this facilitates the entry of oxygen and water into the seed during germination as the seed matures the water content is reduced and seeds become relatively dry 10 to 15% moisture by mass the general metabolic activity of the embryo slows down the embryo may enter a state of inactivity called dormancy or if favorable conditions are available adequate moisture oxygen and suitable temperature they germinate as ovules mature into seeds the ovary develops into a fruit that is transform- transformation of ovules into seeds and ovary into fruits precedes simultaneously the wall of the ovary develops into the wall of the fruit called pericarp the fruits may be fleshy as in guava orange mango etc or may be dry as in groundnut and mustard many fruits have evolved mechanisms for the dispersal of seeds recall the classification of fruits and the dispersal mechanisms that you have studied in an earlier class is there any relationship between number of ovules in an ovary and the number of seeds present in a fruit in most plants by the time the fruit develops into the fruit develops from the ovary other floral parts degenerate and fall off however in a few species such as apple strawberry cashew etc the thallus also contributes to fruit formation such fruits are called false fruits most fruits however develop only from the ovary and are called true fruits although in most of the other species fruits are the results of fertilization there are few species in which fruits develop without fertilization such fruits are called parthenocarpic fruits banana is one such example parthenocarpy can be induced through the application of growth hormones and such fruits are seedless seeds offer several advantages to angiosperms firstly since reproductive processes such as pollination and fertilization are independent of water seed formation is more dependable also seeds have better adaptive strategies for dispersal to new habitats and help the species to colonize in other areas as they have sufficient food reserves young seedlings are nourished until they are capable of photosynthesis on their own the hard seed coat prevents the protection provides the protection to the young embryo being products of sexual reproduction they generate new genetic combinations leading to variations seed is the basis of our agriculture 
Dehydration and dormancy of mature seeds are crucial for storage of seeds which can be used as fruits throughout the year and also to raise crops in the next season. Can you imagine agriculture in the absence of seeds or in the presence of seeds which germinate straight away soon after the formation and cannot be stored? How long do the seeds remain alive after they are dispersed? This period again varies greatly. In a few species, the seeds lose viability within a few months. Seeds of a large number of species live for several years. Some seeds can remain alive for for a span of 100 years. There are several records of old yet viable seeds. The oldest is that of a lupine. Lupinus Articus excavated from Arctic tundra. The seed germinated and flowered after an estimated record of 10,000 years of dormancy. A recent record of 2,000 years old viable seed is of date palm, discovered during the archaeological excavation at King Herald's Palace. near the dead sea after completing a brief account of sexual reproduction of flowering plants it would be worth attempting to comprehend the enormous reproductive capacity of some flowering plants by asking the following questions how many eggs are present in an embryo sac how many ovaries are present in how many embryo sacs are present inside an ovary how many ovules are present inside an ovary how many ovaries are present inside a typical flower how many flowers are present on a tree and so on can you think of some plants in which fruits contain very large number of seeds orchids are one of such category and each fruit contain thousands of tiny seeds Similar is the case in fruits of some parasitic species such as orobanke and striga. Have you seen a tiny seed of ficus? How large is the tree of ficus developed from that of the tiny seed? How many billions of seed does each ficus tree produce? Can you imagine any other example in which a tiny structure can produce such a large biomass over the years epomixis and polyembryony all the seeds in general are the products of fertilization a few flowering plants such as some species of Astraceae and grasses have evolved a special mechanism to produce seeds without fertilization called epomixis. What is fruit production without fertilization called? Thus epomixis is a form of asexual reproduction that mimics sexual reproduction. There are several ways of development of an epomictic seed. In some species the diploid egg cell is formed without the reductional division and develops into the embryo without fertilization more often in many citrus and mango varieties some of the nuclear 
cells surrounding the embryo sac start dividing protrude into the embryo sac and develop into the embryos in such species each ovule contain many embryos occurrence of more than one embryo in a seed is referred to as polyembryonic take out some seeds of orange and squeeze them observe the many embryos of different sizes and shapes from each seed count the number of embryos in each seed what would be the genetic nature of apomictic embryos can they be called clones hybrid varieties of several of our food and vegetable crops are being extensively cultivated cultivation of hybrids has tremendously increased the productivity one of the problems of hybrids is that hybrid seeds have to be produced every years every year if the seeds collected from hybrids are sown the plants in the progeny will segregate and do not maintain hybrid characters production of hybrid seeds are costly and hence the cost of hybrid seeds become too expensive for the farmers if the seeds are made into apomics there is no segregation of characters in the hybrid progeny then the farmers can keep using hybrid seeds to raise new crops year after year and he does not have to buy hybrid seeds every year because of the importance of apomixis in hybrid seed industry active research is going on in many laboratories around the world to understand the genetics of apomixis and to transfer apomictic genes into hybrid varieties summary flowers are the seat of sexual reproduction in angiosperms in the flower androecium consisting of stamens represents the male reproductive organ and gynoecium consisting of pistils represent the female reproductive organs a typical anther is bilobed dithecus and tetrasporangiate pollen grains develop inside the microsporangia four wall layers the epidermis endothecum middle layers and the tapetum surround the microsporangium cells of the sporogenous tissue lying in the center of the microsporangium undergo meiosis or microsporogenesis to form tetrads of microspores individual microspores mature into pollen grains pollen grains represent the male gametophytic generation the pollen grains have two layered wall outer exine and inner entine the exine is made up of sporopollenin and has a germ pore pollen grains have two cells vegetative cell and generative cell or three cells a vegetative cell and two male gametes at the time of shedding the pistil has three parts the stigma style and ovary ovules are present in the ovary the ovules have a stalk called funicle protective integuments and an opening called micropyle the central tissue is the nucellus in which archesporium differentiates 
a cell of archesporium the megaspore mother cell divides meiotically and one of the megaspores forms the embryo sac the female gametophyte the mature embryo sac is seven celled and eight nucleate at the micropylar end is the egg apparatus consisting of two synergids and an egg cell at the chalazal end there are three antipodals at the center there is a large central cell with two polar nuclei pollination is the mechanism to transfer pollen grains from anther to the stigma pollinating agents are either abiotic that is wind and water or biotic that is animals pollen pistil interaction involves all events from landing of pollen grains on the stigma until the pollen tube enters to the embryo sac or when the po- that is when the pollen is compatible or pollen even or pollen inhibition that is when the pollen is incompatible pollen compatible pollination the pollen grain germinates on the stigma and resulting pollen tube grow through the style enter the ovules and finally discharge two male gametes in one of the synergids angiosperm exhibit double fertilization because two fusion events occur in each embryo sac namely syngamy and the triple fusion the products of these fusions are diploid zygote and the diploid primary endosperm nucleus in the primary endosperm cell zygote develops into the embryo and primary endosperm cell forms the endosperm tissue formation of endosperm always precedes development of the embryo developing embryo passes through different stages such as proembryo globular and heart shaped stages before maturation mature tricotyledonous embryo has two cotyledons and an embryonal axis with epicotyle and hypocotyle embryos of monocot cotyledonous have a single cotyledon after fertilization ovary develops into fruit and ovules develop into seed a phenomenon called apomixis is found in angiosperms particularly in grasses it results in the formation of seeds without fertilization apomixis have several advantages in horticulture and agriculture in some angiosperms some angiosperms produce more than one embryo in their seed This phenomenon is called polyembryonic.